chugging along, writing a song when something special comes along. It's a long-winded directionless discussion for conversationalists. You bring the wit, you bring the brains, and we'll talk it over between takes. Welcome to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. We are your hosts, Olivia O'Neill. And Aiden Driscoll. And we have a lot of conversations. One of our favorite things to do is have lengthy convos with interesting people. So we started a podcast. On this podcast, you can hear us talk about the process of our writing and the inspiration that we find in music, movies, and art that intrigues us. Our conversations may range from just a random story about a trip to the grocery store to exploring our purpose as humans in a very existential way. One of our hopes with this podcast is to expand our community. We hope to have guests hear from our listeners listeners get you involved in things we think are important. So tune in for some conversations from a couple of kids who think they know better. And sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Between Takes. One of the things, Liv, can you talk one more time real quick? Just double check. Are you there? Okay, well we might not have heard Liv for the first part, but we'll be okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Do you want to start over? Right. Let's start over. Are you ready? <laughs> Welcome back to Between Takes, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry. Welcome, Welcome back. back to Between... Okay. Well, how together? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. Yes. Uh, we have another guest on today. We have my mother and your best friend, Donna Driscoll. Woo! <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mom. Thanks. It's good to be here. Thank you. You can go ahead whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing? I'm good. We recorded this a minute ago, but Liz's mic wasn't <laughs> on, so we had to redo it. So you're not quite as enthusiastic, but I understand. Yeah, okay. I understand. We didn't ask us that. We told you to be chill and relax, and like it's a conversation, right? I could. Do and that. we're already not there because we had to go back and repeat part of the conversation. <laughs> All right. Is... I think we're stressing each other out. I think so too. <laughs> um. So, uh, mom, you have some things to say about interesting things. Um, can we just start out with a couple, just kind of like just simple. Who, what, what, who are you? What do you like? What's your background in things? Um, mm-hmm. ed- education, career, family. Uh, what are your interests and hobbies and all that jazz? Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you know, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, my back, my educational background is in English. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, I have two degrees in English. And then um, I got married and had a few children <laughs> and homeschooled them. So got to use my education. Um, what I enjoy is still reading. That's probably the top and always will be. Um, but I also enjoy music and movies. And um, I like to run. Um, I like to be outside. I like to be uh, outside by myself. Um, um, yeah, those are. that's probably my primary hobby. I also like to sew, knit, do things like mm-hmm. that things that are kind of contemplative that i can do with my hands that, mm-hmm. that result in something mm-hmm. so yeah. you like a lot of uh you have a lot of like solitary hobbies the hobby themselves is solitary but then you are able to like bring it to people like yeah. sewing and knitting you yeah. do it by yourself and then you can bring it to people and you share with others and all that right which is interesting right like read books and tell people about them or yeah. whatever yeah or read to your kids and mm-hmm. all that. yeah or my grandson now you got a grandbaby <laughs> He's pretty dang adorable, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's got, a good audience. He is, yeah. He's very, very fun to hang out with. <clears throat> um, what do you have, what are some of your favorite books? Um, hmm. Well, I'll just start with my favorite authors. Ann Tyler is a big one. Um, Joan Didion um, mm-hmm. is probably one of the most influential to me. I probably read her the longest in my life, started reading her. Uh, probably was in graduate school, which is mm-hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> um, Joyce Carol Oates, uh, another one. Um, she's written a book that probably is one that, funny, I don't know that I'd say it's like the best book I've ever written, but something about, it comes back to me mm-hmm. so frequently. Not quite daily, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see. When you say, I just want to interrupt, when yes. you say Joan Didion is the most influential, do you mean like emotionally, how you live your life, or literarily? Literarily, mm. yeah, yeah. I think the sh- she's, um, I mean, I'm not alone in saying she's one of the best writers. She's one of the most concise writers. Um, her powers of observation were, are, well, they were. She's just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of unmatched. 
I think. Um, I don't read a, t a lot of contemporary people, but um, I still would say there's probably no one writing quite like mm -hmm. her. Those are some good references. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, you know, the usual George Orwell, um, people like that. Uh, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific type of writing genre whether that's a, a genre of storytelling or a, a style of writing that you like the best well i think the thing i i find myself looking at the most closely in the books that i read is the way it's narrated the mm. way the story is told um i appreciate characters that are well drawn and and um, interesting um as well but i i think i'm more interested in how and, and maybe I'm thinking of how the writer is telling the story, but mm -hmm. often it's how the narrator is telling the story. So um, You like it when the writer like almost creates an extra character yeah. to just tell the story. Yeah, mm. and that can be first person, third person. Um, yeah, but, um, and that's one, uh, when I watch, you know, a, a, a movie or a documentary, especially mm -hmm. a more contemporary documentary, because so often that's part of it is not just the subject matter, mm -hmm. but it's the actual documentarian. That's mm -hmm. interesting to me, is how are they framing this? What information are they giving to it to me and in what order? And why are they making those choices? Things mm -hmm. like that. Um, in fact, when I wrote my master's thesis, that was what I found to be the most to, that was the thesis, mm -hmm. was what happens when the narrator isn't reliable. How mm. is the story told? How do you, how do you read it? How do you accept it? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think maybe that's just followed through the that's years. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of, I feel like, the most obvious example for me would be like a series of unfortunate events where right. Lemony Snicket is a fictional character, is the author of the books and is a fictional character within the books who is going back and trying to document these, these yeah. characters' lives and all that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that probably pops to mind. I mean, you've also, you've read a lot of memoirs and things too. Right. So is that why you yeah. like that? Because they're taking yeah. real events and, and framing them in a, in a literary way? They are, yes. And I, I think any time you can find, um, well, good mem memoirists, <laughs> memoirists. <laughs> um, I think it's memoirs. Memoirisms. Um, <laughs> I think one thing they can do is they can, um, because we're all a little bit unreliable when we look at our own lives and try mm -hmm. to interpret the events, but um, a good memoir can take something that has happened and see the importance of it and then write it in such a way that we see it. And whether we can really connect with it, you know, we have to be able to connect with it on some level, um, but, um, you know, it just, it, 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 again, like we've said, it, it, kind of plays that universal key mm -hmm. that we all want to hear um, when we write, when we read. It's good stuff. Um, kind of a, you know, you know me, very big, big existential questions, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, what is comedy and its relevance within culture? Yeah. Well, I think we s see its relevance, especially in this day and age, because I think we've lost it. And a great we lost our sense of humor. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And um, obviously comedy, um, and we've talked about this before, comedians have got to be some of the most intelligent people mm -hmm. out there. And just to have the ability to step back and be aware of themselves, of the kind of human condition, so-called. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, I think comedy is is a is a chance, is, is it puts us kind of puts us all in the spotlight and just mm -hmm. kind of turns us around and you know look at look from this angle now look from this angle mm -hmm. and it it can, it is uncomfortable and i think it's supposed to be mm -hmm. um and there's some jokes where the point is that it you know and there's so many different kinds of humor and that's a different thing but there are some jokes where the point is to make you feel uncomfortable and then for the joke to go on a little much bit longer than you're comfortable with right and then for you to keep keep being in that joke and keep living in that humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there have been examples of comedians who, you know, have, have played off of that. So they, they, they know they're pushing their audience, and then mm -hmm. finally their audience kind of reaches a point where they push right. back and stop laughing or groan <coughs> or, you know, mm -hmm. kind of give them that. 
And, um, you know, oftentimes the comedian will say, oh, that's where you draw the line. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then, it, then comedy becomes kind of self-referential. Right. Um, but I think, you know, in the literary sense, uh, the, the, the comedy form of literature where the, you know, the young comes uh, kind of overtakes the old mm-hmm. and replaces the old. Well, I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what comedy does too. And I think that's why we don't have their comedy mm-hmm. is kind of fading as we, we don't have we all that. just want to live forever. Yeah, we don't have the, you know, surrendering gracefully the things of youth. What's hmm. that from? It's from a, the, um, Desiderata. Okay. Yeah. Um, you just quote things so often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think we are so, we are so insecure in our growing old that we don't want to give up the mm-hmm. stage because I think we're all, like you're talking about existential dread, we all, um, I won't say we all, there is just so much existential dread, so mm-hmm. much uncertainty, you know, kind of we all have that nagging feeling that no matter how chipper or, or positive we are, there's there's still something on the edge mm-hmm. that we're not comfortable with. And I think it's being preached at us both ways of, everything's out of our control. We're all going to die. There's nothing we can do about it. And yeah. also come to me. I have all the answers. I'll help you get this figured out. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's where comedy comes in is taking both of those and going, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all going to die. Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha, ha. Let's laugh about all the silliness that we're in and then go, you think you got all the answers. Yeah. That's stupid of you to have that much arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally, well, you know, I think comedy does have boundaries that, mm-hmm. and people have pushed it. And I think that it's, I think it's very possible to say that that offends me, that put, that's right. beyond my boundary, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. I remember reading uh, a book by Marlo Thomas where Danny Thomas's daughter, and she kind of... Um, you said Danny Thomas? Danny Thomas, okay. yeah. Um, he's the one who, who produced uh, the Dick Van Dyke right. show, and, mm-hmm. and then he was a comedian in right. his own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she interviewed a bunch of, of comedians, maybe actors, but I think comedians. And I remember one of them said that like a review of a comedy show shouldn't be on the arts page. It should be on the sports page because mm. it's a sport. It's mm-hmm. like there are definitely wins and losses. Right. So if somebody isn't funny mm-hmm. and it's kind of goes back to what you know you, you guys have talked about with audiences, you can... You can't, you can't blame the audience. Right. And if, if the audience isn't laughing, you, you don't mm-hmm. say, I mean, I'm not a comedian, but I don't imagine you say, you know, well, that, that joke is funny. That right. is a funny joke. Because, I mean, you watch show, shows like Seinfeld, and that mm-hmm. becomes the joke. Right. The comedian, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a funny joke. Nobody's laughing at it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think there is a place that you can actually say, that's not my kind of humor, but I can see it's funny. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is almost an objective mm-hmm. funniness. Just going back a little bit to books, because sure. that's, that's my thing. you like books a lot. <laughs> um, why, why do you like books so much? And, and when did you realize you liked books um i remember the excitement i felt in first grade when um i learned to read Mm. and you know i i was always a very good student i was a pleaser i and and it it always made sense to me i didn't struggle so that's one Mm -hmm. way one reason i mean i'm not saying i was a brilliant student i just was made for that way Mm -hmm. of learning and um but i do i remember um very early on being excited. I think also the thing that appealed to me was it was something I, again, back to the solitariness, it was something I could do on my own, by mm-hmm. myself. I didn't need anyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I was raised, I have two older brothers, but they're so, they're a lot older than me. So I'm mm-hmm. basically an only child. So I, I, you know, obviously gravitated toward a lot that mm-hmm. I could do on my own. So I didn't mm-hmm. have anyone else. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, what was the other part of the question? Why is it so important? Why is it so important to you? Yeah. Um, I think language has always fascinated me too. Um, mm-hmm. How do how do writers achieve 
the um, well, like you are with music. How did this? Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. How? What? How was it? These two words put together that made me feel this way, or that mm-hmm. brought this to me, or what? Where was it? You know. And sometimes, you know, this again, that's the excitement of it. Sometimes you can find those two or three words, but often it's just so. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then it's just so um, intangible, right. and somehow it's like the writer knew how to tap into that intangibility mm-hmm. and that's and that's what Joan Didion could do right. so well so well mm-hmm. um, in just a phrase four words mm-hmm. and you're kind of knocked over huh. and that's something that we were talking about with Hannah and Leo when they were just on the podcast is the for me you know I try and I, I find something I really like it and I try and zone in on what makes it so great why do I like it so much and part of that is just I think the realization that the, this is such an untangible thing that they figured out how to tap into and show you. And yeah. that's you know, incredible and amazing and, and not a, because how Brad Bird tapped into it in the Incredibles is different than he tapped into it for Ratatouille, which is definitely going to be different than someone else who tries to tap into that same thing for the, you know, take that same untangible thing that Brad Bird tapped into for the Incredibles and they try to tap into it for a different kind of movie. Right. So it's, it becomes even more intangible in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that, yeah. You, you can't pin down. There's not a formula for it in a lot of ways. No. I know you all were talking in one of your previous podcasts about, you know, uh, it's it's always seems like it's more difficult to pin down why something is good, why right. you like yeah. something. It's a it's. And so, um, you know, I think that that's you. You guys watch bad movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think there's some value to that. I don't know to set about to watch a bad movie right. but, but um but i think there is something to be said for this is how not to do it right or this doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah. um because i think because maybe it is that intangible quality that mm-hmm. it's tangible right yeah right where you can say this character would not say that right why why do the right why does the writer have this person acting like mm-hmm. this or the director right um or, or, yeah, characters that are introduced seemingly for this one purpose later on, so they're absolutely bland and nothing yeah. for the first 18 chapters. And then in chapter 19, they have that one function they have to serve, and then all of a sudden they have all this character, and then they go away for that. Exactly. Rest of the book. Mm. That, yeah. That's yeah. just frustrating. It, it is. It feels, and it's, it's, I mean, I use Brad Bird a lot because he's so good, but he, you know, he talks about using every part of the buffalo. You gotta yeah. make every moment worth it. Everything yeah. has to have a purpose. So if you're just gonna bring in a character for that one moment, Give that one moment to a different character mm-hmm. that, that that would also make sense. Mm-hmm. And if maybe that moment doesn't make sense because the cast doesn't work in that uh, mm-hmm. context or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how ang- like angry you can get about those yeah. types of things. Mm-hmm. Not you, but like you as well. people. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, as well. but mm-hmm. it is. It feels like kind of insulting or something. Talk about when you saw King mm-hmm. Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about being insulted <laughs> by the movie. Uh, well, you know, I'd seen the whatever 1930s, 1920s version, mm-hmm. so um, which is told in a very compact way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're going to an island. There's a giant gorilla. <laughs> Get him on the boat. He's on the Empire State Building. <laughs> Twas beauty that killed the beast. And that's about it. Yeah, and then we watched um, the Peter Jackson version, and I remember <laughs> feeling I wasn't watching my clock or anything but feeling at some point like this has been going on for a while and they're still on the island uh, and i think they found him but they're not any right. they're not they're not capturing him right and um looked at my watch and then realized this movie's three hours long wow. and i don't know why but i had this like really visceral reaction of just being offended mm-hmm. like how dare you <laughs> think there's movies about a bunch of people that go to an island take a gorilla bring him to new york and that's about it. Yeah. That's, that's a big yeah. climax in New York. I don't know. And I don't know if, I mean, part of it was, I don't think it, it started out as a really, uh, looked like it was going to be a really cool movie because mm-hmm. he was going back to the styles mm-hmm. it looked like. So your it, hopes were kind of high. Yeah. Right? And he, yeah. Peter yeah. Jackson was in a modern way imitating the styles of. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it just ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was, um, yeah. And I don't know. I've not, not had that reaction to a movie uh, very often at all, mm-hmm. but I think it, it just, it, yeah, I think maybe that's what I was reacting to was, okay, I'll give you three hours, mm-hmm. but you have to do something with right. it. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like it was 
he was. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting why they made that choice, you know, because... Because he's a millionaire who yeah. made Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Those are all three hours It almost long, feels so. like J- Peter Jackson is, I'll say, entitled to three-hour movies right. when everybody mm-hmm. else has to make do with an hour and a half mm-hmm. or two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think movies in general are just getting are longer, and I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing. Mm-hmm. For certain stories, it makes sense, right? For mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, it's a huge epic story. Right, so right. You gotta, a lot it's to just in. a lot of there. Yeah. And that, yeah, and they had to cut so much and all that. Right. Um, I know I struggle with movies, just watching them all the way through. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, not because I don't like them, but there is that point where it's like, Sometimes you can Where feel something in the middle should be of happening a, at this like, point. Like, this is a dead right. spot. You, you know? Which is why you like a lot of the older movies, because they're normally a tight 90 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> So you those. get to the 45-minute mark where you normally could be dozing off, but you know, like, oh, they're just about to start the climax. Yeah. And then you start going, and then yeah. that's big, mm-hmm. and then it's a nice little 15-minute epilogue, yeah. and it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that it's a bad movie because <clears throat> it's two hours, whatever. Right. It's just But it is something where it's like for Lord of the Rings it makes sense, for The Hobbit it doesn't mm-hmm. because The Hobbit is a 400 page book. Mm-hmm. You right. know, you don't need nine hours of that. I think it almost <laughs> goes against the spirit of The Hobbit. Yeah. Huh. If, yeah. You, if you could say that, you know. And I think, and then there's the, the 1977 cartoon which I just rewatched not too long ago um, which is like 70 minutes long. It's barely over an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, it's very faithful to the book in a way, and it's very much in keeping with the spirit. But it's pretty much this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then you know, now they're mm-hmm. in the spiders, and now they're in the forest, now they've been captured by the elves, now mm-hmm. they're on the way down the river, now they've met, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a very play by play by play by play. I mean, it was a made for TV, yeah, mm-hmm. animated special, right, uh, based on The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. But I think it captures the spirit of The Hobbit mm-hmm. a ten times better well. than than the mm-hmm. multi million dollar mm-hmm. three movie production right it hmm. doesn't yeah i don't think you see anything there's just not a lot of self-reflection in yeah. the hobbit the book mm-hmm. um it's been a while it's since not about I've the inner i mean there's a little bit i guess with bilbo with the struggling with a tookish side right versus the, yeah know, yeah the, most of it's just that story just the, the adventure, story adventure. Of, yeah mm-hmm. right it's yeah. a great book Mm-hmm. Um, was there a specific so you you just like reading in general I you like the read. act of reading yeah mm-hmm. Brendan your oldest brother he uh, he likes he's a he's a reader but to sit down with a book he isn't one mm-hmm. of those people that huh. would be Hannah I think mm-hmm. more um, and I think that's probably true of a lot of you I think you, most of us like you, stories you like the stories right yeah. you like the what's in the book but I think I've always liked the book. Mm-hmm. I like to see it on my shelf. I like, mm-hmm. I like to see when I see, like, Taliesin gave me a book this Christmas, your youngest brother yeah. <laughs> gave me, and I knew it was a book, when, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like, oh, that's yeah. a book, <laughs> and it's new, <laughs> and it's mine. <laughs> so that was, you know, um, so, yeah. Um, I remember feeling when those uh, Kindles started mm. becoming more common, feeling a little like is that does that mean libraries are going to go away mm-hmm. or yeah. bookstores and i know they've kind of changed mm-hmm. but i think there's enough people like yeah. us yeah. <laughs> that yeah. like the books <laughs> they're here hmm. yeah is there a specific book that you read at some point that made you go i, I want to i really actively study this yeah I want, what yeah. was that book to kill a mockingbird really yes when did you read that uh this would have been in co- in high school so probably about a sophomore, junior. So I guess mm. it was 15, 16. And there is narration. Because yeah. the thing that I remember reading that all, I will say, literally, took my breath away was the part where it's the end and it just very subtly shifts from to Bo's, uh, to Boo's um, yeah. perspective. He mm-hmm. saw, and it goes through the book from him. Mm-hmm. He saw his children. Mm-hmm. He saw the man take out a gun, mm-hmm. drop his glasses and wipe his eyes. Yeah. That to me was when I read that, I um knew I was going to college and I just remember thinking I have to know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like a lot of people feel like you feel about music, right. like people feel about science or math, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and that's how I felt. I need to know how he did that. Mm-hmm. And and how other people have done that. Um yeah, I mentioned Ann Tyler. She uh, is one that, you know, talking about the way consistency in characters and, and, and how you, how important that is at, to a reader. And mm-hmm. 
she, I remember when I first started reading her books and she does a lot of um, family dramas and they're often dysfunctional families to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking as I was reading one of them, um, why don't they just sit down and talk about this? Mm. This would be, you could, guys could iron this out. (laughs) But of course, the next thought was, of course they can't do that because in their world, Mm -hmm. that's, that's inconsistent. And I think that, that was a lot. I remember when Captain America Civil War came out mm -hmm. and we were having a lot of conversations as if they were happening in real life, as if we could actually go and be like, you guys should just talk this out and actually (laughs) hash it out, right? You can figure it out. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. But in the world that's been established, that's not consistent with the characters. Exactly, exactly. And I think for for me and Ann Tyler, that was, again, another one of those revelations of how good she was Mm -hmm. and how good a writer can be when you, she, she had drawn the parameters of those characters in that world so definitely and so clearly that um i was accepting it mm-hmm. you know but you can also be arguing with the characters yeah within the story and then again yeah you're and you're mm-hmm. interacting with them mm-hmm. um yeah she's another one who's uh just like joan didion is like a master at brevity and just economy mm-hmm. uh, efficiency there's no fat in her writing mm-hmm. at all it's like what I was saying about you being a very no-nonsense kind of person when it comes mm. to these kinds. I think that I would assume it probably just comes from that. You like short yeah. and concise and a, a very simple understanding of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember years ago reading Jane Eyre. I think it was Jane Eyre. Have an echo. And uh, I, I thought at the time I thought I remember probably having it assigned at some point mm. in my education and probably not liking it. Um I remember reading Wuthering Heights and actually being kind of surprised that it was a good story Mm. because I was kind of in this, like, well, they're literature, so they're not going to be, you know. (laughs) But I remember thinking maybe Victorian literature you can read when you're older because you have more patience. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you're younger, you're just like, let's get Mm -hmm. to the cut to the chase here. Yeah. Especially when I feel like (laughs) with that type of literature – there's always like these new characters that are coming in with these crazy names, and it's like they bring. I was, what was I talking to you about? What was the book Catherine? And you said like every yeah, every like, male's name. I was trying to read because sometimes I feel like I'm in that mood of like, what mm-hmm. can yeah yeah yeah. But every, there's 19 characters and all their it's names like, are <laughs> almost exactly the same. Don't need to know. Yeah, that. that's anyway, right. It's kind of funny. It's yeah. like when I tried to read the Silmarillion, uh, where it's like, oh yeah, oh, it, yeah you know, I mean, part of it is because it's supposed to be imitating you know these old mythologies and all that. Sometimes if you don't give them a character and you just give you a name, there's nothing for you to like associate with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So like, just real quick, were you assigned to Kill a Mockingbird or did you just read it? I read it. Yeah. I had, yeah. I mean, I have told you before my experiences in junior high and high school was, they weren't, you know, the stellar, I wasn't (laughs) going to the stellar academic high school of the city. And uh, yeah, just to, combat the mind numbingness of the class mm-hmm. i would just bring books to read um so i could finish the worksheet and <laughs> oh, worksheet. do do something yeah. <laughs> a little more yeah um did you at that time did it i mean now it's kind of people make fun of it which i feel like it's mm-hmm. wrong to do that but mm-hmm. they talk about you know like you don't have to read to kill mockingbird to be smart which i agree with but mm-hmm. i do think that not you know to kill mockingbird is a great book that people should read mm-hmm. um did it have there was it a an english book that people would mm-hmm. would assign I would say English so yeah. Okay. yeah so it's been that way for quite a while yeah because yeah. it like only came out in the 50s? 50s or 60s okay. so right. it was still per- fairly new and it was already yeah it's true I guess that English was classes. the 80s 70s yeah you're right wow. I never cool. thought of that hmm. yeah I mean and part of that probably is I mean I wouldn't be too surprised if some of Joan Gideon is probably taught in mm-hmm. English classes it sure should be yeah 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 it sure should be because if it's if it's just if it, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's the thing we we're talking about, with Dave, about theaters that they don't want to. It's they're so long to admit those kinds of things, and I to admit what to admit, you know, Hamilton's not going to be taught in theater classes mm-hmm. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's acting classes or composition classes yeah. or whatever that may be within the context of theater, it's not going to be taught for a. Re- I mean, for one thing, just to get the rights to, yeah. to teach it is going to be sure. a complicated yeah. thing. Yeah, but. I just I that's one of the most useful things is to read George Orwell, read Charles mm-hmm. Dickens, read mm-hmm. Hemingway, whatever it may be, and then also stack it up against who are the modern ones, who are where are the Harper Lees and the Joan Didions and, yeah. and Tyler's mm-hmm. and 
and compare them and realize how, mm-hmm. how different they are and how they can tell a great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be interesting to go back and see kind of who's fallen away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember... I, m- sorry. No, I just read the, the Magnificent Ambersons not long ago, and um, I'm going to l- blank out on the writer now. Toby Maguire? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Can I Google it for you? Sure, sure. Um, but he was writing at the same time as F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time in his life, he was kind of, they were kind of predicting mm-hmm. these two were going to be the, the kind of the literary, along with others, um, names of their era. And um, he, it turned out that he wasn't. He, I mean, he wrote The Magnificent Ambersons and then another one. Um, Booth Tarkington. Booth Tarkington. That's wow, right. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not mad that you forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for various reasons, he just never quite got there. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be interesting to know who else mm-hmm. people were reading that kind yes. of have over the years just didn't stand the test of yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And why, yeah. of course. The, the important thing is why. Remember when uh, Marge was reading the Odyssey, and she said something. I understand how certain books, you know, just live through centuries and centuries and centuries of civilization. But why do they all have to be so long? <laughs> <laughs> why can't any of the short stories have lived through all these all these generations? Um, well, that did kind of make me think of. I remember uh, a year or two ago, I, I realized. Cindy Lauper came out of my radar and I, w- I thought, you know, I only, I know girls just want to have fun and time after time and mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I should listen to some Cindy Lauper. And so mm-hmm. I listened to whatever, like one of her first albums, she's a wild, wild girl or something mm-hmm. like that. She's so um, unusual. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen to that. Mm-hmm. And there's some cool stuff on there. There's mm-hmm. some stuff I think is, is cool and well done. Um, but I read a review, um, of it. It's a more like modern review of it. Mm-hmm. And, the reviewer was talking about how at the time when this album came out, I think it came out the same year as like Madonna's first or second album. Sounds right. And they, a bunch of reviewers were saying, you know, Cindy Lauper's going to be here for a long time. Madonna's going to have a couple of hits <laughs> and be gone, you know, <laughs> wow. three summers from now type thing. Right. Wow. And it was the exact opposite. Cindy Lauper had a few hit has girls just want to have fun and time after time. Yeah. And Madonna has been around yeah. for 40 years now at this point. She still, isn't she just now on tour with something? I don't want to talk about it. I know. But <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. But it is crazy. And yeah. why? Yeah. yeah. What are, well, I mean, I think a lot of it goes back to a little bit like the silence um, actors they Madonna knew how to market herself Mm -hmm. and Mm. I think she was looking way ahead Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's true about Cindy Lauper right yeah interesting yeah I I think so it's yeah I've thought about that too with just art in general of like there's some great great artists out there but then Mm -hmm. is there that initiative or that entrepreneurial mindset of like Mm -hmm. the marketing side the Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool but also kind of like yeah who are those people that we haven't heard or read Mm-hmm. And then you'll find, you know, like for me, the other favorites, the Ohalos, who are, I think, great bands who mm-hmm. do amazing music. And, you know, the Ohalos have already been at it for like a decade. And they have a, a following. I was going to say, they have some of them. They, they do. And, 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 you know, they've been able to tour full time consistently. But they haven't, been, they haven't toured for, you know, over two years now or something like that. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're still able to yeah. be living. Out. I doubt the entire band, at least, is able to live off of royalty from yeah. Spotify streams. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had at least some sort of, you know, extra income that as a job they're not particularly passionate about. Or maybe music isn't something they're particularly passionate about. You yeah. know, maybe music is just, is something they do and they care about and they have a lot of fun, but then they also go home and this is the career they want to have or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, like you guys were talking about Adele. She seems to kind of mm-hmm. go against that in that she, I don't know, I don't think she disappeared for years. Right. But, you know, she, she wasn't, I mean, obviously she made such a, Mm-hmm. A, a, a splash she just yeah right, right off the bat well yes. mm-hmm. right off the bat as far as public right. is concerned i don't know how mm-hmm. long she'd been around before that not long because she's not very old she was only 19 when she had you know oh is that right so first album. albums yeah. yeah and then she just it's like she she took control of her career maybe in a little different way right. mm-hmm. rather than deciding like i think madonna did i'm gonna because mm-hmm. also i mean right place right time madonna was right as mtv was starting right so she clearly saw mm-hmm. you know the 
the uh, potential there right. and mm-hmm. she took it and she ran with it mm-hmm. yeah. and she was in charge. So there's not necessarily a way that's like the right way. Yeah. It's very, you know, individual based on either current social, like right. social, mm-hmm. the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also just the artists themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which crazy. is like, Oh, I want yeah. the right way. What's that? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's crazy how you yeah. can look at some, some amazing artists and look at what a short career they had. Mm-hmm. Or even artists yeah. that are contemporary, but you know, like, yeah, but these three albums are their best. This is like this perfect pocket where they uh, those three albums are absolutely amazing. And then mm-hmm. the next one is, yeah, it's fine. And then they've kind of just been doing that for a really long time, you know? Yeah. I think even a lot of, um, you know, Bob Dylan just released a new album last year, the year before, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And... I, you know, I, in my mind, he's already like 97 and (laughs) should have been retired for a while. But, you know, some people were saying, oh, this is an amazing album. It's, it's beautiful. It's poignant. It's touching. It's all these things. And other people were saying, take your lap, man. Mm -hmm. This isn't working for you. You know, Mm -hmm. no one. Well, I think for one thing, your style, people have been mimicking your style for decades now. There are thousands of people who are doing your music better, Better. more successfully (laughs) than you. So well, I think it's kind of like we've talked about with with music, with movies. Is this a good movie because it's good, or because we have such a nostalgia attached right. to it, mm-hmm. or because it was groundbreaking or yeah. influential? Yeah. yeah, and if you didn't know those facts, it's mm-hmm. it's um, yeah. When you're looking at a piece of literature, sometimes you know you you try to just look at what's on the page, not not read reviews, right. not know the the author. Just especially with poetry, is it what is right in front mm-hmm. of me? Um, and that's part of why I asked about if, if To Kill Mockingbird was assigned was mm-hmm. it wasn't you just happened upon it did you and you knew part of its reputation I or? think I'd probably heard of the movie okay yeah I, I know I hadn't and seen and that won the movie. Oscars didn't it yeah or was not yeah. released and okay right have you, seen the movie? have you no have you yeah have oh, you no sorry <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said have I seen the movie I, and I was like have you I don't know <laughs> and then you said no have you and then <laughs> That was a fun interaction. <laughs> I was asking you a question. Have you seen I it? I have seen the movie. Okay, it's a really cool. good movie. I have it's, not. It's a very well okay. done. All right. It is. I didn't know if it was one of those where it's like not a good one. No, it is. Okay. No. It's very well done. No. It's the, the worst cool. thing I can say about it is they, had, they just had to cut too much. Mm-hmm. They cut entire mm-hmm. characters that mm-hmm. were just are just amazing characters in the book that they had to cut to make the story work. I don't work feel like I well. fully understand the book yet. I think I've only read it once and it was like 14 or something. Yeah. Which is a fine age, but... I feel like I don't. I would like to read it again. I also, yeah, lots of things in it. So. Yeah, it is. It's quite it's, full. It's also a book. I feel. I don't want to like gatekeep it and be like only my type of people understand the book, but it is something that you know. I know you like it. I know Margaret likes it, and then I've talked to like Molly about it. And just because of me and Margaret's upbringing are, are similar in a lot of ways, and Molly's upbringing is different enough mm-hmm. that. She related. She didn't relate to certain things as much. She talked about how Jem's kind of a jerk sometimes. Mm-hmm. And me and March, because we had older brothers mm-hmm. who were almost the exact same, you know, four years between me and Kieran, four years between Margaret and Chris, four years between Scout and Jem. Mm-hmm. We know what that's like. And we, we saw it and we're like, yeah, in the moment he was being a jerk, but he's not like a horrible person. Yeah. That's just, that's how boys will grow up at a certain point. And he redeems every act. He absolutely does. Yes. In he absolutely. Space, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing that, Molly didn't relate to it because she's, you know, an only child and right. other, you know, other things about her, her upbringing that just weren't the same, whereas me and Margaret's upbringing were more similar. You know, we liked to run around barefoot and mm-hmm. wrestle and all these things. Related to the characters. We related to Scout. We wanted to be Scout. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be Jim. All these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's also, I don't like Frozen because I have, I don't dislike Frozen, but it's like mm-hmm. I don't grab onto Frozen because I don't have any desire to be a princess. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, Yeah. <laughs> We're so this is all accidental? Happy coincidence. Just kind of a victim of circumstance. Um, Sorry, I didn't but that's something, um, Yeah, that, that is something I didn't, I didn't read to come out. You know, I was 13 when I read it or Probably, something the first yeah, time. Right. Um, and I didn't read it because it was... I asked you because I knew mm-hmm. it like deals with you know bigger th- bigger things than just a fun little story. Mm-hmm. So I had to, like ask permission. Can I read To Kill a Mockingbird? Right. And it wasn't a assignment. It wasn't you didn't talk about the, the the influence it has within literature or anything like that. Yeah, it was just a book that I knew you read to Kieran a while back, and I'd heard parts of, and I had heard bits of the story, and be like, that sounds fun. I want to read that. Mm-hmm. And 
and the first time I read it, I really liked the story of it, but I wasn't, you know, I was 13. I wasn't super mm-hmm. in, in tune with like the nuance of the writing and all that. And then I read it almost, you know, about a, a little over a year later when I was 14 and was just crying for like the last three chapters because it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so well written. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one where I think I can confidently say, at this point, I do have a lot of nostalgia tied to it. Yeah. Being 13, 14, yeah. talking about it with Margaret, all mm-hmm. these conversations, all these things I associate it with. I have a lot of nostalgia tied to it. But in the moment, I was reacting to just the book itself. Yeah. It wasn't the influence of people saying it's an important book. Right. It's a culturally relevant book. Mm-hmm. All these different things. It was just, I was engaged with the story and the writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's one every, that's just been true throughout mm-hmm. now, whatever it's been, 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. more than that, 70 pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah hmm. um we have a couple other specific questions okay um what are some of your favorite stories um do you mean like folk tales fairy tales or mm, that can be that or, if, gen- or um, is that different than books then i think in a way i can maybe this is a little too vague um it doesn't no it can be yeah, folk tales, fairy okay. tales. It can be a, a couple of specific books, a couple okay. of specific movies, episodes of TV shows, sure. whatever it may be. What are what are some of the best told stories where you were, you engage with? Um, I think when I when you discover in a story the whole concept of grace and redemption, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And I see it in um, Planet of the Apes, the mm-hmm. last one, um, in Toy Story three, mm-hmm. when they're just before the literal deus ex machina Mm -hmm. um i see it in um let me see there was another one that came to mind well you see it so often and and but when it's real Mm -hmm. when like we've talked about when there is you know there's an investment by a character and then this and the sacrifice is real it's a wonderful life i mean we've Mm -hmm. talked about how how sadly that movie just gets kind of shunted off into this yeah. is a feel good Christmas movie and if you and just like Pollyanna if you look at the story of Pollyanna yeah i mean really this this little girl is, a, is an orphan mm-hmm. she's in a new place she has nothing mm-hmm. and 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 really at first no one likes her she's just this mm-hmm. weirdo and then people use the phrase oh that's such a pollyanna like you don't mm-hmm. even know what you're talking you, you got to re- know what you're referring to mm-hmm. before you can, you get permission to use it <laughs> But um, so those those kinds of stories, I think, are for one thing, they're they're so true. They mm-hmm. are they capture like the truth of life and what we're all looking for. And obviously what we find in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, and, and I think anytime you get that reflection in a, and I'll say this, especially in a in a book that's that's maybe or a movie that's written not for that it's not evangelical mm-hmm. it's not a, right. it's not a tool it's to a sci-fi movie about apes taking it, over the world yes <laughs> yes but you find that and it, you just it's so it's ab, it's so uh uh monumental and it's so clear how that theme is so true mm-hmm. this how do people get get hold of that time after time after time if it isn't true mm-hmm. it just I, it just doesn't make sense so that's one of the stories and um, that, that, you know, the kind of story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, the book that I mentioned, Joyce Carol Oates' book is, and we, uh, we were the Mulvaney's. And that's another one that um, tells the story of redemption. And um, I think that part of it just kind of comes back to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think the beauty of that, of grace and redemption, is it's just always new. And it's always, um, it's always like refilling itself. It's mm-hmm. like the, you know, the oil, the story of the, the widow mm-hmm. and the oil in the Bible, you know. It's just, um, you look, you think it's empty in there. Oh, my gosh, look at that. There's more <laughs> grace. You know. Wow. Or, you know, you think I just really, you know, mangled that. That's, right. I'm done. I don't even want to look. Yeah, it's crazy how we are surprised by that all the time. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though it's like. So promised to us, exactly. And also yeah. Just there, all that, and we see, yeah, and huh. cr- yeah, and and why would Christ die for a for a <laughs> for limited a finite amount, you know, for a limited offer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before Seriously. midnight tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but but, huh. but you're right. We are perpetually surprised by this, mm-hmm. and and I think it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime journey, mm-hmm. and um, 
and it's and, it, and beyond lifetime of course mm-hmm. you know after we're dead we have like the ultimate grace right. mm-hmm. and we we see grace himself yeah mm-hmm. so yeah wow yeah cool what are some of your favorite um going back to comedy okay i like comedy yeah um what are some of your favorite comedies or, or styles of comedy? Or I like, um, probably, I like Frasier. Mm. I think wordplay, mm-hmm. again, it's a fascination with language. You mean Birdway? <laughs> there we go. See? Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. You mean <laughs> Sailboat? <laughs> Curdway? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that one, there are a lot of them, mm-hmm. but that one, I think, not just to me, but mm-hmm. it just kind of stands head and shoulders mm-hmm. as consistently so fl- clever and yeah. intelligent mm-hmm. and and the characters are just relentlessly so fun. Yeah, yeah just y- yeah hmm. um, I think and I but but then there's an element of physical comedy as well mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah um, but I think overall that's my I kind of like that the, the the verbal like the Marx mm-hmm. Brothers yeah. you know mm-hmm. just the very fast mm-hmm. um, stream of consciousness stuff Robin mm-hmm. Williams and you know are you like that do you think is that what your favorite comedy I, is? I like it a lot I, I think um, I feel like that's how you enact it mostly yeah like, I think that's how I, I, I it comes most naturally to me in a way mm-hmm. so it's like when I see it done well I feel like that's the, one of the things that annoys me about Gilmore Girls is they're trying mm-hmm. to be like cutesy cutesy yeah. we're using wordplay we're witty and smart but everything's done at this pace yeah. talking like this adding on I a comment this is the punchline <laughs> and it's just kind of it really is like you that. see it's the joke coming from yeah. like two miles away <laughs> so it, it is that kind of that's part of why i love scott pilgrim versus the world so much is it's it's that it's physical it's it's uh, the whole the whole story is a joke in a way mm-hmm. um and right, that again is not like, very right. And that again is, that's what I like about just great stories, great art in general, is when it's able to just combine all these different styles and elements of that medium and do it so well, mm-hmm. and it's such a perfect combination. So, but I mean, I also love, um, like I was just showing you, Bird Box Studios. I've shown you some of theirs, mm-hmm, right? The, mm-hmm. the animated shorts that yeah. are so short, they're like forty-five seconds, and it's just like, it's forty-five seconds, and they fit like twenty-nine bits into it, and like you were saying about just like efficiency in in writing, I think mm-hmm. the same is true with comedy where just they can do so much. So like, sorry, they all have to say, I also really love like silent comedy, you know, silent, old silent movies, right. animated shorts when they're done well, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. I like physical comedy. I just think mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's the other thing too is when, when it's done visually, when you limit yourself, especially today, because now you have the option to have yeah. almost anything. But yeah, right. For right. the time, it was just kind of how stories were told for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And they went, we're not, because that was another thing, there's a lot of other, the when we, sorry, this is a lot of things. But when you okay. think of like the silent movie era, we mm-hmm. almost always think of just, of Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. Harold Lloyd. They were comedians. And mm-hmm. they were that wasn't the only genre mm-hmm. of, of storytelling, sure. of film at that time. Right. But the majority of what we remember is comedy because they took advantage of a lot of other people were doing Shakespeare dramas and they went, well, part of Shakespeare is to understand what the words are and we can't hear any of the words. So you're just gesturing a lot with a bunch of title cards popping up. Mm-hmm. And they went, mm-hmm. well, what if that wasn't, what if you could tell the whole story and understand it and t- you know, Buster Keaton had a rule of, well, not a rule, but he just, he wanted to use as few title cards as, as possible. Oh. Title card was oh. a, there's no other way to describe what we're trying to do. Hmm. And he said like the, the, I think the most he ever did in one of his like f- feature films was maybe like 24 really? t- title cards or something like that hmm. because he just wanted it to be visual. He wanted mm-hmm. you to understand everything just by watching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, it's another long-winded thing on silent movies. No, I like silent movies. I like physical comedy. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, you, I think you all mentioned this too, that um, so much of physical comedy, you know, is it's very controlled. Mm-hmm. And it, um, if you can't control it, then, you know, probably not a good choice to make. Right. Mm-hmm. So it has its own element, just like wordplay. It has right. its own element of, of a very strict set of right. rules, um, mm-hmm. at least, and maybe that's just my preference. But I think otherwise, it just becomes this kind of flailing about, and right. mm-hmm. and then you know you lose the story. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing; it that, just becomes yeah, yeah. That's why I think people oh you like physical comedy? Watch the Three Stooges, and it's kind of all it is is it's just kind of three uh, you know three guys do a thing that's kind of silly, and then they just kind of smack each other for a few minutes. Mm. 
and it's you know that can be amusing enough sure mm-hmm. within contexts mm-hmm. but with like then you watch Charlie Chaplin the adventurer is one of my favorite of his shorts where he's like an escaped convict and he, he like dresses him he goes to like this fancy dinner party and he dresses himself up in this tuxedo and the cops are there and they recognize him and there's this pit they repeat like four times of him he runs up the stairs and there's like this landing the cops follow after him he hops over they run all they miss him they run all the way up he puts a lampshade on his head they run back down and miss him again he then <laughs> follows them and they do that same bit like three or four times and it's so precise the actions of when he jumps, how he lands, how he holds himself when he has a lampshade over his head pretending to be a lamp, those kinds of things. Yeah. It's so just like, but I mean, by the third time they run in, you know what's going to happen <laughs> and they do it and it's still hilarious yeah. because of how controlled it is and right. that, it's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Let's watch my Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the scenes that we've picked out of movies that we've watched, you know, Cary Grant, mm-hmm. like uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, yeah. just the chaotic yeah. scenes you can mm-hmm. see. And that's where the Three Stooges made that the main point of us smacking yeah. each other. Whereas in Arsenic and Old Lace, that's, the, that's what's going on over in the corner where you're just right. watching Mortimer mumble to himself. That was, a, I had forgotten about just, that. We watched so that recently. Funny. <laughs> yeah. And that's and I think that yeah. when it's used like that, when there's that literal chaos happening and it's over in the corner and you're focusing on something else, mm-hmm. that can be so hilarious. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what part of what Scott Pilgrim is, mm. is this is happening and it is so controlled, it's so precise. And then over there, it's just chaos. It's just things falling apart yeah, around like them. Yeah, like that scene from What's Up, Doc, when they go, yeah. I think they go into it, the far, or the gift shop. Uh-huh. And there's stuff going on in the hall <laughs> behind them. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's Ryan oh. O'Neill and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And it's just one of the best comedies ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is a very, like, physical comedy movie. Yeah, and but it's also like incredibly it. witty. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of, like, not necessarily wordplay, like, puns, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. but just the way they choose yeah. Wesley, the mm-hmm. voices. It's so fun. Hmm. Yeah. Timing. Yeah. Cool. You know what the secret to comedy is? Timing. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Do you know what the secret to comedy is? Do it again. Is? Sorry. Timing. No, no. Do you know what the secret of comedy is? Timing. Do you know what the secret of comedy is? Timing? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Don. Yeah. That was a good thanks time. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. It was. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my mother. She raised seven children. <laughs> Successfully, Yay. I would say. Um, I would say so, too. Yeah. <laughs> she gives you some really good hugs. Um, Theta Avery, if you're listening, we miss you. <laughs> My mom misses your hugs. That is the supreme hugger. Yeah. 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 She, she can Bone tell you how crushing. to do it. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Cool. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for coming on, Don. Sure. We appreciate your company and your conversation. Sure. Do you have anything, any last words, Mom? I don't. Okay. You can't follow me anywhere because I'm nowhere. What? I don't have any any presence oh, anymore. Right. <laughs> Did well, you think no, I, I, I thought you can't follow me because like, uh, and then you were just about to like disappear. In the I shadows. have restraining orders. Okay. I am darkness, and darkness <laughs> is my ally. <laughs> uh, All right, we'll see you around, folks. This has been Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Olivia O'Neill, and this is Aiden Driscoll on guitar. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends, and tune in next week for a brand new episode of Between Takes. Between takes.